What's up, God's family? This is your host, Steve Hudson, creator of the I Am Podcast, where we use the word of God to equip you for your purpose in life. Today, we will be covering the topic, establishing your identity. Let's kick it off with today's summary. Identity is essential to living life on earth. It is where one finds their sense of purpose, their significance, their value, their security, and their fulfillment. Without identity, a life is easily robbed and manipulated of its original purpose. God's word is a pathway to revelation. Through meditation of his word, you discover truth in who you are and why you were created. When identity is not known, you are susceptible to take on whatever is presented to you. Today, we will look at an example of how identity was established and then how it was taken away. Let's kick it off in Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and peace, not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. Here we see God is sharing that he has thoughts and plans for his people, detailing their expected end to take care of them and bring them peace. The thing I want to highlight here is that God has thoughts and plans for your life. He wants to reveal to you his plan and thoughts for your existence. Keep this in mind as we continue the journey through this teaching today. In another translation, in the message translation, it says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Now, let's continue further to study an example of this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We see here, God created humans in his own image. What is image? It's likeness, resemblance, a replica. It's a lookalike. So God made humans to be like him. And then he made them male and female, which tells me that a male is a representation of God and a female is a representation of God. This makes me wonder, why did God create two instead of one? Why did he differentiate male and female if both of them were created in his image? What was the need for male and female? Let's continue in verse 28. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. God blessed them means God equipped them with empowerment to get things done. And he said to them, not male or female, but to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. So God blessed them and then gave them instructions. See, God will never give you instructions without equipping you to get it done. But here's the punchline. Why did God give them instructions? Because it would require them to work together to carry out the assignment. They were created equal, but with different purposes to achieve filling the earth and governing it. The male can't say, I don't need you. I got this. And vice versa. The woman can't say, I don't need you. I will handle this on my own because each one of them carries what the other needs to fulfill the assignment. 
Together, they represent the fullness of God. Partnership is what makes the mission complete. And divine instructions will require the fullness of God. Let's pick up in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 through 8. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Now, we just read in chapter 1, verse 27, that God created man in his own image. And now we are reading God formed the man from the dust of the ground. So when was man created? What was the difference in these verses? As I was meditating, a revelation came to me that chapter 1, verse 27 represents the mind of God, where his plans were created. Here in chapter 2, verse 7, it represents the manufacturing or the production of what was created in the mind of God. In chapter 2, the production of man was taking place. Like God, we create with our thoughts, our imagination, and then later produce those things in our lives. If we continue to meditate on, we have to be careful of what we are giving thought to. This is why Satan is constantly after your mind to keep us from revelation and to give us thoughts that would lead us to destruction. He wants to produce things in your life that is contrary to what God said. Check out 2 Corinthians 4, 4. For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers mind that they should not discern the truth preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, the Messiah, who is the image and likeness of God. He blinds the mind with deception and lies to keep you away from the truth. He don't want you to know the truth about who God created you to be. His goal is to construct something in your mind so that you can imagine things that God didn't say. That takes you out of God's original plan and purpose for your life. He will talk you into changing your very nature, your identity, to try and keep you away from what God has for you. Let's pick up in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. Drop down to verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden as its gardener to tend and care for it. Notice one thing here. Once God created the man, he immediately gave him something to do. He didn't leave him to be idle. God intended man to be productive, to be a steward, to be a manager. He placed the man in the garden to tend and care for it. Another version says, to work the ground and keep it in order. I want you to keep this in mind as we continue this journey. Work the ground and keep it in order was the plan of God for the man in the garden. Now, let's continue reading in verse 16. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 reads, But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Here we see God gave the man instructions on the garden he placed him. The woman had not yet been formed, so man is there alone receiving instructions from God. You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, 
you will surely die. Let's continue in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. The Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. Here we see God says it is not good for the man to be alone. He needed a helper who was just right for him, meaning he needed a partner, someone else who also possessed God's nature to to make him whole. Remember, male and female, he created them. Let's pick up in verse 25. Now, the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Hmm. They were naked and felt no shame. It sounds like they were confident in who they were while they were in the presence of God. Their identity was made whole and complete within the presence of God. In this moment, they had their sense of purpose, their sense of significance, value, security, and their fulfillment, all while in the presence of God. So let's stop and recap real quick. Number one, God created humans, male and female, in his image. Number two, God gave them instructions to be fruitful and govern the earth. Number three, during meditation, I saw where God used his thoughts or imagination for creation and then later manufactured what he created with his mind. Number four, God placed man in the garden after he created the garden to tend to it and keep it in order. Number five, God produced or made woman from man, making man a partner to help him. God intended us to work together to get the job done. And number six, man and woman dwell together with confidence in who they are with no shame while in the presence of God. Now, let's see what happens when we are out of the presence of God. Genesis chapter three, verse one. The serpent was the craftiest of all the creatures, creatures the Lord God had made. So the serpent came to the woman. Really? He asked. None of the fruit in the garden. God says you must eat any of it. This is the subtle power of negative suggestion and influence. The greatest power in suggestion is that it gives you something else to consider or an alternative to meditate on. Why? Because your ability to create begins in your mind, your imagination. Imagine this. Really? You can't have none of the fruit in the garden? God really said you can't eat any of it? Here are the things that negative suggestion target. Number one, it discredit your source of truth. Number two, it causes you to raise question or doubt regarding the truth you receive. Number three, give you something else to meditate as an alternative to the truth given to you. Number four, it deceitfully finds your location on how you think and what you believe. Are you securing your identity? Do you really believe what was told to you? Number five, it gets you to talk, spill the beans to gather more information to see how they can lure you. Now, let's pick up in verse two. Of course, 
We may eat it, the woman told him. It's only the fruit from the tree at the center of the garden that we are not to eat. God says we mustn't eat or even touch it or we will die. Now, let's walk through this. Eve's first mistake was engaging in conversation with a snake. Second, releasing information to someone she didn't know. And then giving up even more information for the snake to plot his strategy. She should have stopped at, of course, we may eat. But the moment she gave specific details on what tree not to eat and said, God says, gave the snake an entry point. He now has specific details on what was prohibited and the source of her truth. Ah, so you trust what God said. Or for some of you kids out there, ah, you trust what your parents said. Or, ah, your source of truth, your source of trust is this. This allowed Satan to plan and execute his attack to discredit her source of truth. Watch what happens next. Pick it up in verse four. That's a lie. The serpent hissed. You will not die. God knows very well that the instant you eat of it, you will become like him for your eyes will be open and you will be able to distinguish good from evil. Now, check this out. The snake emphatically called God a lie and even stated, ain't nothing going to happen to you and said this just as bold and confident. But here's the drum roll. God knows that you will become like him. The woman was already like God. She was created in his image. She was created in the image of God. See, Satan would always have you question or doubt what you already have. Just because someone else does not recognize or acknowledge something about you, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that you don't have it. In this story, Satan strategically deceived and manipulated Eve right out of her identity. And this is what he is doing today, manipulating people right out of their identity. Let's continue reading to see how Eve responds to the serpent. In verse six. The woman was convinced how lovely and fresh looking it was, and it would make her so wise. So she ate some of the fruit and gave some to her husband, and he ate it too. And as they ate it, suddenly they became aware of their nakedness and were embarrassed. So they strung fig leaves together to cover themselves around the hips. That evening, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, and they hid themselves among the trees. The Bible says the woman was convinced, but check out why she was convinced because of how lovely and fresh looking it was. Here's something to pay attention to in all areas of your life. Never make a decision on appearance alone. John chapter seven, verse 24 says, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment and the righteous judgment. You may be thinking, what is that? Righteous judgment is what did God say? See, judging something solely based on what it looks like will trick you every time. Anytime Satan looks to deceive or mislead, he will begin with your mind, leading you with your physical senses. Your senses have to be trained in godliness so you can discern the truth. Hebrews chapter five, verse 14. But solid food is for full grown men 
for those whose senses and mental faculties are trained by practice to discriminate and distinguish between what is morally good and noble and what is evil and contrary either to divine or human law. Here's something that I've personally learned in life. Wherever you are least developed or ignorant or wounded emotionally makes you vulnerable. The woman was taken by the looks of the fruit and how it could provide wisdom to her. She desired to be wise because Satan had made her feel incomplete. Satan made her vulnerable to feel incomplete by discrediting her source of truth. He always tried to find some way to discredit the truth given to you. Picking back up in verse six, it says she ate some and gave some to her husband. Now, I've heard many people use this as describing the woman being deceived and given to her husband, which created the fall of man. But let's go back to scripture. Genesis chapter two, verse 15. God put the man in the garden to tend to it and keep it in order. If the woman gave some to her husband, he was there the whole time allowing the conversation to take place. Through abandoning his position, God gave him. Satan took over. Satan wants you to abandon the things God has given you so that he can take over stewardship. Satan takes over your life by robbing you of your identity and the purposes God intended for you. The Bible says in verse seven, after they ate, they became aware of their nakedness and was embarrassed. This enrages me because this is taking place so much in our world and society today. Shaming folks of their decisions, making them embarrassed of the choices they made while they were being deceived, manipulating people out of their identity, creating a wall for people to come to God. Brothers and sisters, this is all Satan. Don't let him rob your life another second. You were born for greatness. You have something to offer. You are not a mistake. You have a purpose in this world. Your identity starts with the original blueprint, the Bible, man and woman walking with God and not by him or herself. God wants to reconcile you and lift you up to being a father, to being a husband, to being a mother, to being a wife, to being a business owner, a counselor, a teacher, a prophet, a priest, a king. The pathway to your life begins with God's word and receiving Jesus. His word will illuminate your spirit with revelation, giving you greater insight into who you are. God makes no mistakes. It's not over for you to discover and live out your purpose. This concludes today's topic. And if you'd like to consider becoming a partner to I Am, the original blueprint, you can sow into the movement via Cash App or PayPal at I Am Steve Hudson or email me at I Am Steve Hudson at gmail.com. In him, kingdom business.